Welcome to the Reaching the World Bible Church podcast. This is Pastor Henry and Ella Looney. Our prayer is that you enjoy the word for today. God is a good God. Good morning and praise the Lord, not just to the ones here, but those that are in our audience there online and those that are looking there on Facebook, YouTube. We welcome you this morning. Today, God um, had impressed upon me a message that I felt like I I really liked. It had a a question, how fast can you run? You know, some people would automatically turn the TV off. She's talking about exercise. Not really. (laughs) We're running a race. And um, when I'd uh, given it, uh, we were talking about the PowerPoint to James. And he said, well, you sound very tired. And I thought about that thing. You talk about a message, how fast you run, you can get tired. (laughs) Amen. But God is our strengthener. And he is there to lead and guide us in the truth. We love you today. That man that's on that put on that uh, frame had a time clock there. And we, you're familiar with it. Some of the young people run track. Some of us may have run track way back in the day. Anybody ever raised track? I did. And I remember, and I was uh, half the size I am now. And I felt like I was going to pass out then. So we know we're not just talking about a physical race. Our sermon highlight is we really don't know what kind of race we can run until God puts his hands on us. We become more adequate through his power through any situation. I had looked at another title for this uh, message, and it were well. I was reminded of a song that we used to sing back in the day: "Was Run, Don't Look Back." Anybody ever heard that song? Oh, we put it to had it without music, with music, and I looked, and someone has even made a had, was singing it for 2021. But we sang that back in the day, and it meant once you started your journey for God. You want to run and not look back. Run is a word that we see that uh, when it comes to uh, doing it, we realize God can get in a hurry. And, and I looked at this thing about if you had a mother and her child was uh, near a fire and that baby cried out, that mother would move fast. But I tell you what, God will move faster for a sinner that repents and pardon him than a mother who's running after her child. Isn't that a good thought today? Because God knows that he is our father. Look at our first scripture and our outline. The first one is a need for speed. A need for speed. God's power on us. If you have a need for anything to go faster in your life and you want to do the things of God even in in your latter days, I believe this, we have a need for speed, but that speed comes from God's power in us. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, 44 through the 46th verse, and I'm looking at the NIV, and if you're you're looking, we're going to put it on the... um, 
on the screen. He said the seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. That's a fast runner, isn't it? Well, when I look back, I, I, I look at a little background with Elijah here. Elijah was talking to his servant when he said the seventh time. Elijah was in the habit of repeating stuff. He didn't give up when things just didn't happen the way people thought or how fast it should have happened. I look back up there when he called down fire out of heaven and, and, and when he called the water down, uh, he, he told this boy, kept telling his servant, do it again. Do it again. And uh, he had arranged the wood and built the fire and the large jars of water were poured on the offering of the wood because Elijah had wanted to make sure the wood was really wet so people could see the miracle. And this is in the middle of a drought where it hadn't rained. And the thing is, you said, why is he wasting water like that? Well, he knew that God was all sufficient. Sometimes in your life, you will find God telling you to do it again. And he, and he had told this, this guy, he had told him to do it again for a third time. And they did it a third time, and the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. And at the same time, the sacrifice, the prophet, Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you're God in Israel. And that I am your servant have done all these things at your command. He said, answer me, Lord, answer me. And, and you know God answered him. And, and, and then uh, the fire of the Lord came down. You can go back and read this. But when all the people saw it, they fell prostrate on their, on, and they fell, fell prostrate. And I mean, they laid out with the head laid flat. And they said, God is God. And then we get to this point where uh, Elijah uh, had said to his servant to go. And this was the seventh time. How many know you would have got a little irritated if you had been the servant and he had told you to go look and for, for uh, a sign. And then on that seventh time, sometime we'll stop on time number six. Right before God is ready to do something great in our life. Amen. Elijah didn't get, get uh, tired of telling it. And you know what? The servant didn't get tired of obeying. It's so important today that we learn just because things didn't happen right. The first time. The second time. The third time. Fourth time and fifth. Sixth but the seventh. And then what happened was this. The servant come back and he said, I saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand. 
Sometimes it may look like it's natural, but God's moving supernatural in your life. And you wonder, well, show me a sign. Because Elijah had told him it's going to rain. In fact, he told Ahab, hitch up your horses. Get ready. Because it's going to rain. How many of you know God is a God of his word? And the thing I look at is this. I looked up this thing about this distance. And um, some people had thought it was like 18 miles. But now you know now they can Google everything. It was about 25 miles <laughs> from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. 25 miles. 25 miles for the horses and chariots to run. 25 miles for, for who? Elijah to run. But guess what? We said that he was, Elijah ran so fast, he beat the chariots there. And the best horses in the chariots, they could ride, they, they went about 25 miles an hour. Now, you don't ask me to ride from here to about the Tyler Digger <laughs> and say, take a car in a car and take you. <laughs> for, no, I don't want to run like that. But I tell you what, when the power of God comes on you, you can do something that you're not even, you don't even think you can do. Amen. You know, and I think at this moment, when Elijah began to run, tucking his cloak in, because he knew he couldn't run with stuff just hanging out, he was ready to run. And I thank God for putting that verse in there. The power of the Lord came on Elijah. And guess what? The power of the Lord can come on you today. No matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what manner of health you're in, the power of God can come on you. We need to experience the power of God to live everyday life. I looked at Romans 6, 4 NIV. He said, we were therefore buried with him. Romans 6, 4 in the NIV said, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live, what? A new life. I thought about that raised from the dead. When Jesus was raised from the dead, more than he was raised from the dead. In fact, all of humanity, look at your neighbor and say, all of humanity. That's you and me, everybody ever lived, everybody gonna live, we're in there. It's like when you step in the elevator now, they got a weight limit. And you look at everybody around you. <laughs> okay, somebody gonna have to wait. <laughs> you ever stepped in the elevator like that? Don't they know all of us can't get in here? I don't want to be in here. What's in my pocketbook? I got some, I got my water. <laughs> I got some crackers and some fruit, and I'm not sharing it with anybody. <laughs> no, when we stepped, when, when, when we stepped in the elevator, who, well, who lifted us? What lifted us? Well, the elevator, the Holy Spirit was able to lift all of us up in Jesus. And aren't you glad we on that elevator day? It was a Holy Ghost elevator. Amen. Amen. Not, limp, not lift, limited by natural weight. So what does the word run mean? 
Run means move at a speed faster as a walk, faster as a walk, never having both feet on the ground at the same time. You ever thought about that? That kind of puzzled me. Never having both feet on the ground at the same time. When you running, you, 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 you're stepping, you're, you're moving up. Well, we remember how it feels. <coughs> you're not dragging your feet. <laughs> but we're moving at a speed. I, I know sometimes when I'm with people and we walk into the lab and, and, and some of my older patients say, now nah, I don't run. Girl, I don't run. <laughs> I said, well, if something got after you, you might run. <laughs> I said, I know now, if a snake got after me, I'd find some speed. How many of you know you can run? There are some situations where you'll run. But Elijah was running at a speed faster than the swiftest horses in Israel. And he ran a approximately 18 to 25 miles at this speed. And when King Ahab reached the capital city, he was there. Amen. He was already there. And you know, sometimes you can run for wrong reasons. It's a whole nother sermon. But sometimes in Proverbs 28, 1, NLT, he said, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Well, what's the question on that one? Why are you running? <laughs> Amen. I said the wicked will run and because no one's chasing them. When God's people live wicked, I said God's people because all people are God's people. But when you live wicked, you lose courage. And, and when you're a sinner and you, you, you're running, you, you may fear that you're going to be found out. Hiding and jumping and fleeing and, and scared about rumors, imagine things, and what else people might be saying. You got to know why you're running today. And we want to be able to know that we're running for the right reasons. We got some more guys that ran in the Bible for different reasons. And like I said, that's a whole nother couple of, uh, of sermons. But we're going to talk about Elijah today. And, and he was, there was a drought in Israel three and a half years. And God told Elijah, it's going to rain. And it did. And the cloud came. And, and, and I tell you what, uh, he was there. And, and, uh, that man's, that cloud rose up. And God proved who he was. How many are glad you're not the wicked today? Psalm 119.32 NIV said, I run in the path. Of your commands, for you have brought my understanding. I run in the path of what God tells me to do. Where God say run. How God say run. And, and, and when God tells you to run, you know that you're running in the right direction. Hebrews 21.1 NIV he said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. Don't just do what is necessary. You got to know when you run, you're going to do uh, what God say, not just enough to get by. Amen? I want to do what is necessary where God is concerned. 
How I many you know sometimes we might just do what's necessary in the house? Well, ain't no sense in me washing all, putting these clothes up. We're going to wear them in again. <laughs> just leave them in the basket. Ain't no sense in me putting them in the drawer. We're going to get them out anyway. How, how many ever done that? Amen, I have. Amen. Ahab been a chariot, Elijah on foot. I looked up that little fellow who's the fastest world. Who's the fastest man on the planet? And I looked up and I found Usain Bolt. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. That's that little dude to do that little pose. Y'all know. And uh, this fella can run 100 yards, a little over 100, 109.3 yards exact. He set a record at 9.58 seconds. I looked it up. I said, they must mean minutes. <laughs> they would for me. <laughs> that fella can run... 103 point yards, 109 point yards, 109.3, that's where that three comes in, in 9.58 seconds. Do you know how fast that is? Yep, yep, yep. He had training. He trained himself. And he won eight gold medals, and he helped won some civil ones there in the Olympics. But then they asked him, do you want to come out of retirement? He said, nah, I ain't got nothing to say about that. How I many you know, when he had set a record, why come out? <laughs> Let somebody else break it, amen? But I don't read where Elijah had any athletic training. Didn't have any athletic training. But we know we need to run with perseverance. We need to run so that we can win this race. And a big gala runner, I don't know if I could be classified with that group, but a beginner runner can run 3.1 miles without stopping if he trained two months or less. You know your own capabilities this morning. You know if you're a beginner or not. <laughs> Amen. But it's not about my capabilities when it comes to the things of God. When, it, when it's God, he'll put his power on us. Over here in Acts 20, 24, King James Version, he said, But none of these things move me, neither count I myself dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Our goal this morning should be to finish our race. Amen? I said he's, we should have a goal that none of these things, what is none of these things? He didn't enumerate, but none of these things, and he said to lay aside a, a weights. And uh, none of these things move me. What? When you, when you know that you're going and you're running in God, you got to lay aside weights. When you are running, you don't go out there with a pair of jeans on. And say you're fixing to run in the Olympics. Anybody ever seen anybody with jeans on and a sweatshirt running? No. Sometimes they, they script down to barely nothing. Uh-huh. But lay aside every weight. In your Christian walk, what? Every burden, every problem, every hurt, every pain, every debt, every habit, 
every sin, addiction, every bad memory, everything that's so weight on you. Amen? We've all had some weights. We all may, you may have a weight now, you may have to let go. We all have some baggage. You know, when you start riding the plane, they start telling you, you can't bring all that stuff on. Well, years ago, it used to hold you up. Now you know how to pack it in a little bag. Hold it with you, get off, and get on to where you're going. And that's how it is with our trip with and our raising the Lord. You got to learn how to let some things go. Because it'll pile up on you. How many know things will pile up on you in the house? <laughs> Amen. You go, who brought all this stuff in here? <laughs> Amen. But we have to get rid of it in order for us to move forward. Sometimes you have to even get rid of some good things. I remember when the prophet Elijah that came after Elijah, the one we're talking about today, and you can look at that if you can later on, but over there, over there in, in this same chapter 19, verse in the 21st verse, Elijah left him, <coughs> excuse me, left Elijah, the one we're talking about today, and he went back to his farm because he was a farmer and he took his yoke of oxygen and he slaughtered them and he and he burned the plow, his farming equipment, and he cooked the meat, the oxygen, and fed the people that worked for him. Then he set out to follow Elijah. He left his occupation. Now, it's one thing to leave your farm, but you don't burn all your tools. Everything you have to work with, he burned it. Because you know why? He know when he set out to follow Elijah to do God's work, even some things that were good had to be left behind. There are some things that, that, that might mean, and they have meant a lot, but at some point, they will have to be left behind. Amen. So we know this, that God is our father, and, and he wants us. He said forsaken all, and he has deposited good in us. God has deposited his love, his blood. I remember growing up, and we used to sell them drink bottles, Coca-Cola bottles. And, and, you know, you could take them back, and I don't remember if it was three cents or a nickel. All I know do y'all remember how much it was? Nickel. Yeah, girl, y'all thought it was a nickel. Because and, and, <laughs> we go inside the road, and on, on Highway 78, people drove down and just throw the bottles out. You can get enough to buy some candy, some cookies. Then all of a sudden, they start putting that note on there, no deposit, no return. That meant the bottle had already been paid for and you couldn't go back and take it because when it didn't have that sign on it, you could clean it up, take it back, and they could use it again. I thank God that God has put a deposit in me and in you, the blood of Jesus, where we're worth something. Amen. You know, even like it, they, we have where over there, where we saw the potter saw a vessel. That had been broken by the wind and the rain. I don't care how broken you are this morning. Or how broken that person may be in your life. The potter, God said he can put it back together again. There's no sign on them that said no deposit, no return. I thank God for that. They're still been bought with the blood today. 
And you know, when you put something in, even with a Coke machine, when you put your money in, you expect something to come out. You don't just sit there and keep putting a dollar in and nothing come out. You say, something wrong with this machine. Well, you quit putting your money in. But I tell you what, when you put something in God, you expect a return today. God wants us to step forward. If you don't step forward, you're always in the same place. A, a, a lady, Nora Roberts, said that. This morning, somebody just need to step forward. You said, but I'm, I'm too old to do that. No, you're not too old. You're not too young. You just need to make a step in the right direction. Martin Luther King said this. Martin Luther King Jr., he said, you don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. How many of you know when you go home every day, if you have steps, you just say, after a while now, when you get a little older, you start looking at every one of them. <laughs> but we do know they're there. But then when it comes to the things of God, all you have to do is make a step forward. Because, see, God can change the course of your day. Every morning you have to make a step. I, I remember one morning, and, and it hadn't been that long ago, uh, I, I just, just didn't want to go to work. So I just didn't want to go. You don't just get up and don't want to go <laughs> when you have to go. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, you know how you can get up and you can be in a mood? <laughs> Ain't nobody in here been in a mood. There my day started, and, and, and you know, it's, so you're having that morning from, and it was just from all the way from, from my house to the hospital, but it, it was not a good moment. <laughs> Pastor said, have a good day. You have a good day. <laughs> you be blessed. <laughs> and so uh, it was so amazing before I could get into my office really good. A lady came to the door, and, and she went and started going in her pocketbook. And, you know, you kind of look. And then she pulled out this bag of pink kisses. I ain't never seen them before. But she said they knew and had, and had, had strawberry taste and some cones at the bottom, she said. And I hope you don't have diabetes and you can eat them. <laughs> she said, you remember me, no, ma'am, I'm having a time with two but last week, not four, not four years ago, that's a scratch. But anyway, God had that woman to come in and give me that and to remind me that you're here and it's for a reason and you do something that make a difference. How I many you know God can do that kind of thing in your life? And, 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 and I don't know and... And I probably still don't know a name right now. If you ask me, I brought that bag home, and I just put it over there where I keep my little souvenirs to remind me that God has something for your life. And God said, you know what? When you get to heaven, you're going to have some folks walk up to you just like that. And I thank God that I'm praying with our new mind and stuff. It's going to come back to me who they are. But you know, not just me, but you have come in contact with more people and helped more people than you can remember. But in heaven, somebody going to walk up to you. And God, a good God. So we have to go and run this race and don't, what did God tell me? I don't have to let my feelings about the race rule me. There are some people today that are letting their feelings about the race stop them. 
The race is the race. And God wants us to be able to run this race. And, and in fact, one of the winners of the four, uh, this guy, Bill Rogers, won four Boston Marathons. He said that you have to know that when you're running, you got to have consistency. He said you have to have a sure approach. You have to have moderation. He had me there because, you know, I ain't going to run no more than I have to. And he said, make running an enjoyable rather than dreadful part of your life. Make running an enjoyable part. Acts 20, 24 said, though, but these things don't count, nor do I hold my life dear so that I may finish my race with joy. Finish my race with joy. Some people are going to finish their race, but you know, God doesn't want us to finish our race grumbling and mumbling. Amen. How many want to finish it with joy today? Amen. In the old movies, uh, I remember not only the old movies, but the three students, the kids don't know these things, but the, the, I remember something would get after them and they would be very afraid and they would say this, feet don't fail me now. Anybody ever remember? And so, we can have bad situations in our life. And sometimes you've come to places in your life when you say, I'm running, but Lord, I don't want my feet to fail me now. Well, in our feet, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. I don't want what God has prepared in me to fail me. Praise God. And it won't fail me if I don't allow it. Our next uh, slide, I want you to stop there for a moment. It says, run how he says. That's our next outline. And, 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 and you have to credit James with this because he pulled this slide. And then he told me what was going on in this side. And it went with my outline. And I thank God for that. But in this slide, you see two runners. You would think just looking at it. That guy's going to catch up with the other one and probably pass him. You think the other guy, he's kind of far behind. And you're sitting there wondering who's going to win. Well, I want you to know this. That second guy with the orange on is a guy that's helping the other guy who's blind. Amen. He's blind and he's keeping him in the right lane and and, and, and he's making sure he doesn't get hurt. And he's pacing him. He's right there with him. He's not there to outrun him. He's there to run with him. I thank God that I have the Holy Spirit in me to act just that way. He's there to help me. He's, had a, he's there to help me to stay in my lane today. Some things when you can jump off into another lane, it's not your race to run. You got to know that today. Our, our outline says, run how he says. It's so important that that blind man run how his helper says. It's so important that we run how God says. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 goes along right with that. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, NIV. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way. That lets us know it doesn't matter just that we run, but how we run. In the waiting room, it's not how you it's not how long you wait, it's how you wait. 
If you're out there cutting up and telling everybody off and you're just keeping the record, you're not waiting well. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. We ought to have a purpose in why we're running this Christian race. Well, I'll just play skip to Lou, and sooner or later, we'll get on out of here. <laughs> you ever seen anybody in a race skipping and hopping and, and just rolling on the grind and not in the middle of a big race? You got to run your race with purpose. He said, no, I strike. A blow to my body and make it my save so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I'm not going to let what's gone down in this pandemic hinder my race. And somebody who's been looking at me for years, wonder what's going on with me. Because see what? I've been running this race and I don't want to be disqualified. I think the purpose of the church is to be able to continue on. Well, I thank God for remnants. I thank God for Gideon and what God says. We got to determine this morning, I run and won't look back. In God, a good God. Oh, yeah, that blind runner, that was a good lesson for us today. A good lesson. So God watches over us. Look at Isaiah 40, 29, 31, NIV. He said he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord renew their strength, they will sow on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They walk and not faint. He said even young folks are tired today. Amen. I said, but God said, I'll renew your strength. I like that bird, though. I looked at that eagle. I said, what's so special about an eagle that he talked about the eagle? Well, eagles have vision. They tell me eagles can, can see almost 50 miles away and see another eagle. We need to have vision today as we run. We got, the Bible said without a vision, the people perish. You need to keep in your mind what God said he was going to do in your life. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how long and what's going on. God said he would do something in our lives about us, about our family, about our church, about our nation, about us, praise God, if we live right. An eagle got some vision. He can see afar off. He stays focused. You got to stay focused this morning. And you got to stay focused on, on, on what God says. Because if you don't stay focused on what God says, you lack clarity. What God says about you cannot be muddied up with what somebody else is saying about you. She ain't smart. She's not long, tall enough. She's not skinny enough. You, uh, she's not smart enough. You got to stay focused on what God says and have clarity. An eagle is fearless. An eagle don't care how big his prey is. He'll take a mountain lion. And you know how an eagle, he is not bigger than a mountain lion, but if that's his dinner, he'll throw that mountain lion right off the cliff. We can't be fearless. It don't matter what size of your problem today. It don't matter how hard it is or how it looks like it's not going to happen. You got to be like the eagle and know I have in me the strength to throw it off. Eagles fight the wind, and they regain their territory. 
What else about eagles? They're tenacious. They, they, when it come a storm, other birds are running to hide, and the bue, and and the eagle will let the storm lift him up. <laughs> He'll take the strength of the storm and say, "Look, now I can go higher." How many are you able to do that today? You may be in a storm, and you say, "You know what?" When I come through this storm, I, I'm going to be higher because why? The wind may be strong, but what God has in me is stronger, and I'll be at a higher place after this goes on. Amen. Other birds fly, but eagles go to greater heights. What else about an eagle? They fly high. They don't hang around with the turkeys and the, and the chickens. Turkeys and chickens don't get too far. If you're scared and you're a turkey, you better to, you to change your company. We talked about that little eagle that was hanging around being raised with them little birds. and th- He didn't know he could fly, but one day he realized he could. Amen. Eagles never eat dead meat. They eat only the meat they catch. You know, I thought about that manna in heaven, how God let that manna down. He said, y'all eat it today because, see, you don't need to be storing up stuff. And then I thought about the scripture and said, he gives us this day our daily bread. Eagles are not scavengers like buzzards. They'll eat everything off the highway. Dead dogs, dead whatever, because they eat dead meat. God wants you to eat the, the meat of the word today for yourself. Amen? I like this about eagles, too. They, 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 they re-energize. As runners today in this race, we need to re-energize. What do eagles do? After about 30 years of life, these eagles will, will, will go up into a mountain, because, see, the condition begin to deteriorate. I found that very interesting. They'll go up into the mountains for, a period, for about a five-month period. And then they'll bite their own talons, those things like the nails. And, and they'll bite and they'll break that beak off, that thing that sticks off of their nose. And then they'll, they'll take and they'll strip everything, all the feathers off of their body. You know, that's why I like that scripture. He said, my youth is renewed like the eagles. <laughs> At some point, you need to re-energize. And you know what? After that, they begin to have regrowth. It may look like you're at a point where things have died in your life. Things have gone on in your emotions. And, and, and everything looks like it ain't going to work anymore. God said, re-energize this morning. And so these eagles, what happens is they begin to regenerate. They regrow a beak. They regrow the talons. They regrow the feathers. Feathers. And guess what? These eagles can live anywhere from 30 to 40 years. I found that very interesting. Eagles do. Wise eagles nourish, nourish their young. When they're teaching them how to swim, how to fly, they'll, they'll throw them on out the nest and then make them look like they're falling, but then they'll swoop them up before they fall. You know, after a while, though, with them little birds, and they act like they want to keep swooping, their mom said, okay, come on back to the nest right here, and I'm going to do something. <laughs> she began to tear up the nest. And that's our mothers. <laughs> you ain't going to tear down your house. <laughs> don't, I'm not saying that, but she tore up that nest so that little eagle wouldn't be comfortable. And after a while, little bird, no, you're going to fly. How I many know, even as Christians, we got to teach our young, you got to know how to fly. 
And I thank God for that. I thank God that I learned in, in, just from looking at him. You got to know how big is your want to today. But I can soar on wings like eagles. He talked about that in my race. You, you, you can't grow or develop spiritually, though, if you're not growing in faith. And if, if your faith is not growing, it's because your knowledge of the word is not growing. Romans 10 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith, faith doesn't come by just having heard. I'm reminded of that story of the old miner and, and how he found a nugget of gold on top of the ground. And you know what? Some of those old miners would just dig in that same place because they knew if I found this gold nugget on the top, it's got to be something lower in the ground. So what did that old miner learn to do? He learned to dig deeper. How many know we need to dig deeper in the word of God? Amen. We need to dig deeper. We need to keep looking for the nuggets. And you know what? There's a vein. The Bible said there's a vein of gold, a vein of silver that the enemy don't know about. There's something in your life. If you keep dig deeper in the word, you're going to hit it. God knows what's in you. God knows what's in you. A lot of times we think the teacher gave the test just so that we, we could know uh, what uh, she know. No, the test was given so we would know what's on the inside of us. Amen. And that's why we got to ask God to deposit his word in us. Because he can't take out of us what's not in us. God sees the good in you though. God sees the potential. God sees what nobody else sees. Second Corinthians 4, 7 NIV said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What was in Elijah was not from him. It was from God. That doesn't take away from the fact that you got to be able to move and you got to step out. And his, he had to put that shirt up and get them feet moving. But guess what? When the power of God comes on you, because the power is from God. And not from us. Had one uh, young preacher. I saw this uh, little story and I liked it. A young preacher was preaching. And he was one of his uh, first sermons. And I get, they had had a graveside service. And probably out in the open on the fields. And, and back in uh, at that time how people would. And even today. But we have a little organized like one. But anyway the preacher was preaching a homeless, homeless man's funeral. <laughs> And um, he was at the graveside, and he preached everything from Genesis to Revelation. And, and the workers were there because they had a vault. You know how the workers back in the day, they used to have people who dug and who covered up the vaults. And anyway, they said, uh, they said praise God when he finished, amen, and, and, and he left. That man out there digging, an hour later, they were talking. He said, I've been installing septic tanks for 20 years. And I've never seen anything like that. What am I saying? You don't know what's in the inside, but God does. Been <laughs> God good. We don't know what's in the inside of a person. We, we, we can't just by looking at the outside know what God's going to do in that person's life or even in your life. I believe Elijah didn't, didn't make the race alone. God did the running and God told him, that I have your hand. Just like when you do a little baby when they first start walking 
and they make them little steps and they don't really know what they're doing. But after they're walking fast sometimes, but they really can't. But after a while, they begin to walk and you can turn them loose. But they can go much faster with you holding them. That's how fast we can go when God holds our hand. Elijah's workout was uh was not on the track field, but his workout was on Carmel when he challenged the 450 prophets of Jezebel and King Ahab. He prayed down fire out of heaven. He had some practice. But you know what? After that, and we read those first verses there, after that he had faith for a miracle. When God has done something in your life, you got to know that if God did this, he's going to do that. Amen. He know if God... I've called down fire to heaven, God can move. And that's what gives him the strength to know, I can believe God for this run. How many of you got enough strength to move for the run? Well, if you got enough strength, we must move. We must run faster. I said, we got to run faster now. I'm not talking about just natural. We got to run faster spiritually. No one in history has so short of a time as you and I right now. We're a long way from Pentecost. We're a long way from Acts. We, 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 it's years have passed. We, when we pray and we do communion, we say over 2,000 years ago, we're closer now to Jesus coming than we've ever been. And I tell my patients this, there's no sense in me acting foolish when they say, oh, you're such a nice person. I say, honey, it's too close to Jesus coming or too close for me going. How many know we got to be able to be ready? 2 Timothy 3.1.5 said this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People be lovers themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal and not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than love of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power, have nothing to do with such people. How many know that's where we live today? He said there will be terrible times. Terrible times. You can't say, well, not one of those things that happened, every one of them. But I like Acts 2 17 NIV say, God says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will have special dreams. Even in the midst of perilous times, God said, I will pour out my spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Elisha. I, I, I want to be there when God pour out his spirit. And, and, and it's not going to be just about what I can do in the natural. You can do in the natural, but God's spirit will come on me. I told Pastor, it doesn't matter how many. All God wants is somebody he can work what? Work on, work with. We must run. Look at your name and say, we must run. With the hands of God on us, helping us run faster than we ever have. We must run. And, and our strength is no substitute for what God can do. I think I like this, what we used to say in Bible school. The natural plus the supernatural coming together to create what? A supernatural force. Explosive force for God. I thank God today that we can live that way. We want to live that way. And, and, and God said we could live and we didn't have to stumble. Proverbs said when uh, 412 say, when you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. It takes faith to run faster 
in, in, in our strength alone, but it takes even more faith that you believe God is with you today. We got to be able to run faster than we can run to do the work God has called us to do. That's where the hands of God come in. This church needs the hand of God. Your life needs the hand of God. We say, God, give us the strength and the power to run faster than we can run. So I ask the question, how fast you, can you run as fast as God wants you to? Philippians said this in 3-4, I keep running hard toward the finish line to the prize that is mine because God has called me through Christ Jesus to life up there in heaven. I'm running hard. I want to. I want. I want to finish. I, I want to get the finish line. There we see that that Second Timothy four seven NIV. I like that finish line. He said, "I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith." How many are you gonna run? How many are you gonna keep the faith? And I like that last in Philippians four thirteen. He said, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." I can make it to the finish line. God help me. I can make it to work. <laughs> I can make it to church. I can make it. Look at your neighbor and say, I can run faster than I ever knew. Because God has his hands on me. Ain't God a good God? Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's all right. That was good, wasn't it? Praise God. We just I forgot to put my mask on, then I forgot to take it off when I got up here. <laughs> I was enjoying myself. How many know the Word of God is enjoyable when we feed on it? And, and when we, you know, it's no need, church, church out there, for us to be a Christian and be starving spiritually. There's food available if we'll just partake of it. But I mean, no, God expects us. He doesn't expect us to remain a baby all of our life. What do you mean spiritual babies? When you're a baby, as we all know, we have to spoon feed them. First, they have a bottle. They can't, they can't even do And they can't even hold it themselves for a while. You have to hold it for them. But then after a while, that child grows. And that baby becomes a child and that child becomes a, 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 a young person, a teenager. Wouldn't it be terrible if everything's equal, if everything's normal and everything in that, in that individual is working properly, if they're 30 years old and still have to be spoon fed? Something would be wrong if that were the case. No, God expects us to learn how to feed ourselves spiritually on the word of God and to grow up. Pastor Hagen used to tell us a lot that, that, that phrase that, that, that she used uh, and about the explosive force for, for God. The natural and the supernatural comes together, makes an explosive force for God. I, and and that, that's true, but he had another saying that he said, he said that, that is, I grabbed hold of and, and I understood because I, 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 from an athletic brown, athletic background, he would say, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. If you can't be defeated and if you won't quit, you win. Amen.
It's just a matter of time. And that's who we are in Christ. You've never made that first step of making Jesus your Lord. If you're out there right now and you're watching from your home or from uh, you may be with another person at their home and you, it may be late at night sometimes you're watching the in-bed message because you, someone said you needed this word of encouragement. The step that, sh that we all must take in making Jesus the Lord of our life is us to invite him into our heart and confess him as our Savior. So right now I ask the question, as we, as we say, uh, you say back in the day, and the doors of the church are open now. That means that you don't hear that as much anymore. I mean, it's still said, and I'm sure, in a lot of church. But all that means is that God has is opened up his heart for you to come in and be a part of his family. If you're there right now and you never made Jesus the Lord of your life, right now is your time. If you're at home, if you're in here, you can raise your hand. I want to confess Christ as my personal Savior. If you've never done that before. Jesus said if we won't recognize him before men, he can't recognize us before God. He won't. Because we have to recognize, we have to know that and make Jesus our Lord for ourselves. We have to do that ourselves. Publicly acknowledge him as our Savior. And then make him my Lord. Amen. Even if you've done it before in time past, this is a good time to just remind. Let's, let's everyone pray this prayer together with me. Repeat after me. Father God, right now, I need your help. I hadn't always ran the race and stayed in my lane. But Lord, right now, I ask you to help me. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart. That you died for me. You paid the price. So that I could have life. And life more abundantly. I make you my savior. And I make you my lord. I'm forgiven. I am saved. I'm a brand new creature in Christ. I'm your child. Amen. You just prayed.